Father's, it makes sense. Uh, it's a very Father's Day kind of, kind of video. I, I thought that at first, and then I had another thought, which was, I don't want to do that on Father's Day. I want to sit, and I want to build. So maybe you're with me. One of the most frustrating things that ever happens to me, maybe you can relate, is getting lost. My wife would tell you that if, if we're in the car and I miss my exit or I miss my turn, I turn, out into, one, I turn into one stressed out little dude, like real quick. Uh, I, I don't like not going where I'm going. I like being on the road I'm supposed to be on. I like, I like knowing that I'm going the right direction. I don't like being late to things. And in my lifetime, I've gotten to see an entire evolution of technology that is devoted to keeping me from getting lost. Now see, once upon a time, there were these things called road atlases. They were big. They sat in that weird pocket behind the passenger seat. And, uh, and they, they, could, they had a map in it. They could tell you all, the, all of the different ways to go. But the problem with road atlases is that usually only one person in the car knew how to read it, and that person was driving. Couldn't, you, if, you had, if you needed to figure it out, you had to uh, admit it. Who would open a road atlas and it was like reading Chinese? It's like, well, I, this, is, this doesn't help me at all. Uh, so so th we, we needed something better. And, and enter into our world a website called MapQuest. And with MapQuest, you could punch in your starting location and you could type in your ending location and it would give you step-by-step turns of where to go, how long you stay on this road, when you need to turn on the next, and the revolution had begun. And so you would, you'd get on MapQuest and you'd print off all of your MapQuest, you know, pages, and some of you probably still have MapQuest pages like in the floorboard of your cars, like hiding down there somewhere from road trips, and, and you would, and they'd put a little atlas on there, but <laughs> I don't need that anymore because I have all of the instructions. And it was great. Except for if you happen to miss your turn, then you had to find a place to turn around because you only had one path. You only had one route and you had to get back on it to know where you were going. And then came the ultimate game changer, the GPS for your car. Now with this, you didn't need to know almost anything. You just needed to know your ending destination. You punch it in, you suction cup that bad boy to your windshield, and you are on your way. And if you're driving and you miss an exit or you miss a turn, it's like rerouting, 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 and it gives you a new path and it gets you back to where it is that you need to go. And now even that technology is dated because most of us have that ability on our smartphones. We carry it around with us all of the time. We never need to get lost again. Do you ever feel like you are trying to navigate the road that is your life and you don't even have a road atlas? You see, we're, we're continuing in this series, Brick and Mortar, that we've been in for the last several weeks. We're talking about the wisdom that we need to, to, to build a life that's worth living. And today's message, it comes right out of the FAQs, right out of the frequently asked questions that all of us have for God. How do I know God's will for my life? What am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go? I, I have a, a vague idea that, you know, I know where I'm at. I know where I want to end up. That heaven place sounds pretty nice. Kind of want to go there. But what am I supposed to do in between? How do I know God's will for my life? What, what job am I supposed to take? 
Is it time for me to retire? Is it time for me to change careers? Who am I supposed to marry? Am I supposed to buy that house? Am I supposed to buy that car? These are all things that we would like to know. And it would be great if I could pull up my phone and I can open up the app that says Todd's Life Map. And every choice I have is just the, the right one, like lights up in blue. Like it's like this is the way to go. And anytime I run into any obstacles, it just routes me around them. It says, nope, we can just go this way and you'll be fine. And anytime I make a wrong decision or a wrong turn, it can say, it can say stop, stop, stop. And it, it can tell me to, to turn it back around or it can give me a new path or I can still end up where it is that I want to go. But there's no map. <laughs> there, there, there's no app. There, there's not even a road atlas. And sometimes when it comes to this whole idea of how do I know God's will for my life, we can feel like we're driving a little blind. So the first thing that, that I want to I acknowledge as we're, as we're talking through this question today is that while, yes, we all want to do what's right, yes, we all want to, want to live a life that, that is going the way that God would want us to be going, I do think that we need to acknowledge kind of the underlying thing with this question is that there's some insecurity here. There is, there is a little bit of anxiety about not knowing where it is that God might want me to go. There, there, there's a bit of us that's like, I see what happens when I make a wrong decision. Like, I see what happens when I make a small wrong decision. Like, if you make a comment in your relationship and it's the wrong comment, like, you can pay for that for a while. If you make a mistake at work, even if it's a small mistake, that mistake can follow you. It can follow you into your next performance review. It can follow you the next time you're up for a promotion. So if we see this happening with the little things that go wrong in our lives, well, sure, we're going to feel a little antsy about the big decisions. Who am I supposed to marry? What am I supposed to do with my life? And I just want us all to acknowledge that, that there is some of this insecurity, and that's why we ask this question, because I think it's going to help us to know that for what we're going to talk about this morning. All right, for starters, before we really dive in, I, I do want to say this. When we're asking this question, how do I know God's will for my life? God wants you to know his will for you. I want all of us to have peace in that as we get going, that God wants you to know his will for you. We don't have a God who's like sitting up in heaven and he's watching us and he's like, ooh, they're about to make a big decision. Hope they don't mess this one up because their life's going to be the worst. <laughs> That's not our God. Nobody wants you to know God's will for you more than God does. And if you're saying, it doesn't feel like that. It doesn't feel like he, I've been asking, he hasn't been telling me. It doesn't feel like he wants me to know his will for me. Well, stick with me. Stick with me, and hopefully you'll see by the time that we're done this morning that it's true. All right, next, we got to be really clear when we're talking about God's will. Because when we look in the Bible, there isn't just one sweeping understanding of what God's will is. Like, there, there's, some, there's some categories to God's will. There's some nuance to God's will that it helps all of us to know and understand if we're going to get answers to this question, what is God's will for my life? One of those categories would be God's sovereign will. 
God's sovereign will in that we know that we serve a sovereign God. That means that we serve a God who is over everything. Nothing falls outside of the realm of God's control. Now, there are some things that God causes to happen, things like creation. He caused it. He made it. There are other things that God allows to happen, things that he doesn't cause, but he lets them happen because he has created us as beings with free will, with the ability to make choices, but he allows those things to take place. But all of it, God is working. He is using it for his ultimate purposes, for his glory, and for the redemption of the world. We read about this in verses like Ephesians 1.11 that says God makes everything work out according to his plan. Or Job 42.2, it says that no purpose of God can be thwarted. This is the will Jesus is talking about in the garden in Luke chapter 42 whenever he says he's about to be crucified, he's about to go through this excruciating experience and he says, God, it's, if you would please take this away from me, but not my will, but your will be done. Jesus is talking about God's sovereign will, the plan that he has been working out through all of history from creation, fall, redemption to bring about his glory and to lead people to be saved by Jesus Christ. So with this, <clears throat> there's something that we need to understand. The long and the short of it is that this will is for God to know and God alone. Like if when, you, if when you're asking God, what is your will for my life? You're asking God, I just wanna know the future. Like, God, I just want to know exactly all of the ripple effects of every decision I make. I want to know all of the good and the bad that's going to come from the things that happen to me and the things that I choose to do. If you want to know all of that, it's never going to happen. This is God's will to know, and it is ours to learn to trust him with. But the good news about this will is that, is that even though we might never know it, know exactly what it is, is that for one, he gives us glimpses of it. There are times that he lets us see, like when something bad happens, he lets us see it get used for something good. He lets us see how he works that out in, in our lives or in the lives of somebody else to help them know who Jesus is. And the other good thing about God's sovereign will is that we can't screw it up. Like you are never going to park in the wrong parking spot and mess up God's will. You are never going to wake up late on the wrong morning and mess up God's will. Here's the thing. You're not, never even going to choose the wrong career path and mess up God's sovereign will. It doesn't mean that we can't make mistakes. It doesn't mean that we can't choose wrong. We'll talk about that in a second. But what it means is that God can and is using all of this for his ultimate purposes and glory. So, Second category of God's will or that God's will might fall into would be God's moral will. Now, God's moral will is something that he makes known to us very clearly, very explicitly in the Bible. This, this is when he tells us, hey, this is what's right to do. And this is what's wrong to do. This is the, these are the things I want you to do. These are the things I don't want you to do. This is when God gives us his commands, his instructions for how he wants us to be living as his followers. He says in, in Matthew 6, that we're to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness in everything we do. That's his will for all of our lives. In, in Matthew 28, 19, he says that as we go through our lives, we are to make disciples 
uh, helping other people become his followers, baptizing them, teaching them to obey all of his commands. This is God's will for each and every one of us. And then he also tells us the things that he doesn't want us to do. He, he calls these sins. In Galatians 5, 19 through 21, he, li- he gives out a list of them. He says things like sexual immorality, don't want you to do that. Lust, idol worship, that means putting anything above God in your life, not letting God be the number one most important thing. He, he says things like, uh, like quarreling and jealousy and selfish ambition, and drunkenness. And just in case I didn't list your sin, he ends it with, and other sins like these, to make sure he covers everybody. These are the things that God doesn't want us doing with our lives. Now, God's moral will, it's different from his sovereign will because while we can't do anything that will mess up God's sovereign will, we frequently choose to either follow his moral will or not follow his moral will, and and he will allow us to face the consequences of what happens when we don't follow his moral will. While we can't mess up his big picture, his ultimate plan, we can certainly do things to mess up our lives. And then there's a final category of God's will, and we might call this God's specific will. Now, this is the one that most of us spend our time wondering about. This is the, should I take that job? Should I marry that person? Should I buy that thing? What specifically is God's will, his direction for my life? And as you've probably noticed, there isn't a page in the Bible that you can flip to to get answers to all of these questions. You can't open up to the book of 2 Karen and find out about every decision that you're supposed to make. You can't flip back to the maps at the end and say, okay, here's the map of, the, of Israel during the reign of King Solomon, and oh, here's my map here. This is where I go. Like, it, 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 it's not there. You can't go into the Bible, book, chapter, and verse to find answers to a lot of these decisions that we have to make, even though I know some people who have tried. Whenever I was, uh, before I went to grad school, I spent a couple of months selling TVs at Best Buy. And I had a customer one day, and and she came in, she was buying a a TV, and I don't remember exactly what her total was, but it rang up to something along the lines of $486.66. And she goes, oh no. I can't go through with this purchase. I can't do this. I was feeling a little hesitant about it already anyway, but that, that just seals it. It's done. And I'm sitting here thinking, oh, that's why we never understood what it was talking about in Revelation. It was talking about your electronics purchase in 2009. I get it. I'm not saying that God doesn't use coincidence in our life, that God doesn't use certain things to open our eyes, to maybe make us see his direction. But whenever we go to the Bible, if we're looking for a book, chapter, and verse that is going to tell us, this is the person you need to marry, this is the thing you need to purchase, this is the job you need to quit, we aren't going to find it. But Todd... You said that God wants me to know his will for my life. You, you just said it. You put it up on your screen. You said he wants me to know. And if it's not in the Bible, 
And if I'm not, I haven't gotten any text messages from him lately, how am I supposed to know God's will for my life? If I may gently steer our direction away. When we ask this question, how do I know God's will for my life? Frequently what we're looking for is direction when what we actually need is transformation. You see, all of the road atlases, all of the map quests, all of the GPSs, none of those ever quite beat just knowing where you were going. Nothing ever quite beat having the route so ingrained in your mind that as you were driving along, you knew when to turn, you knew when to go straight, you knew when you had gotten there. So many of us are looking for direction in our lives. We're looking for someone to tell us this is the right way to go, this is the wrong way to go, and God isn't doing that because he offers us something better. Wisdom. God wants us to be people who cultivate wisdom, who cultivate a mind like his, to be transformed into someone who is more like him so that we aren't looking and asking, is this the right direction to go? Is this the right direction to go? No, we don't have to because as we are transformed to become more like who God wants us to be, The natural outpouring is just making decisions that honor God. God is more focused on who it is he wants us to become than on the things it is that he wants us to do. As I want us to take a look at a couple of scriptures that teach this, I want us to just ask a couple of questions to ourselves inwardly as we look at these. The first one is Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. I'm going to break this down real quick in sections, and I want to talk. I I do. I just want to ask a couple questions to you. First, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Ask yourself, do I trust God? Do I trust his plan? Am I doing things daily? that are helping me to grow in my trust of God? Would I give up everything to see his sovereign will done? Would I give up everything to seek his righteousness first? Would I give up everything to see more people become followers of his? And he says, do not depend on your own understanding. Do I think that God knows better or that I know better? Proverbs, uh, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 25 says that there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is death. Matthew 7, 13 says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. Are you living your life like you think that God knows best, or like you know best? And he says, seek his will in all you do. Seek the will that God has told us in his word. Are you doing the things that God has told you to do? Are you staying away from the things that God has told you to stay away from? Are you obeying his commands? And maybe you could insert the word then, and then he will show you which path to take. 
Long story short, if we are becoming someone who trusts God, if we are being transformed into someone who wants to do his will and not our own, who wants to seek his ways and depend on his understanding and not our own, then he is going to show us which way to turn when the turns come up. Another scripture, another, another verse. This is Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. If you want to know God's direction, it's not about knowing all of which ways to go. Is it about who you are being transformed into, about being transformed into the likeness of God and thinking the way that God thinks? So if we want the answer to the question, how do I know God's will for my life? Then we've got to answer the question, how in my life am I being transformed into the likeness of Christ? How am I letting the gospel become central to who I am? The message that we are sinners and that Jesus died on a cross to save us. How are we letting that be the central focal point of my life? What am I doing to seek God's kingdom first and his righteousness first? What am I doing to make other disciples, to teach other people the things that I have been taught? How are we being transformed to be more of what Jesus wants us to be? Now, I will be the first to admit that I am so guilty of looking at the fact that it's like God has given us so much of his will and like downplaying it because I want to hear something else. I'm like, yeah, oh, good. It's God, it is good that you, yes, it is good to seek your kingdom. Yes, that's all fine and good. But seriously, though, what am I supposed to major in in college? Seriously, though, who am I supposed to, who am I supposed to date this person? Like, we, we, it's like we play off the fact that God has given us so much of his will already because we are so focused on other things. We're so focused on the same things our world is focused on. We're focused on money. We're focused on sex. We're focused on comfort. We're focused on having success. We're focused on all these other things, and we're not being transformed to think completely differently. So I saw this play out in my own life in, in kind of a big way. I was getting ready to graduate from college, and I was having one of those big decision, God, what is your will for my life kind of moments, and I was already signed up to go to law school, but there was some unsettledness in my spirit about that decision. God had already been kind of, you know, using some things in my life, had been kind of poking and prodding me in the direction of vocational ministry. And here's the thing. I hope everyone understands this. There's nothing holier about what I'm doing right now, standing up here and teaching God's word. There's nothing holier about this than there isn't going to law school, being a lawyer, or being a teacher, or being a paramedic, or being anything else that God has put out there for you to do. Well, the problem was, was my motivations. And I was going to law school because I wanted to make money. I was going to law school because I wanted to make a, a good amount of money. Like, not like professional athlete money, but I wanted, I wanted to have a certain lifestyle. There are probably some lawyers in the room going, <laughs> that's funny. Um, but I, I wanted a prestigious title. Like, I wanted a job that my parents could brag to their friends about. Like, I wanted them to be able to say, oh, yeah, our son, he's that awesome lawyer, you know, up there. My heart 
was full of greed for wealth and full of selfish ambition. And so when the time came to make this decision, I'm asking God, what's your will for my life? But my heart is not full of the will that he's already told me. You better believe I went to law school. And then I spent the next several years course correcting and getting back on track with what God had been pointing me to in the first place. Guys, because I already wasn't listening to his will that he has told me. So how on earth could I have expected to hear about his will that he hadn't yet? And this is a problem that I think a lot of us run into. That our, The place where we need to start in answering the question of how do I know God's will for my life is to recognize he's given so much of us to, it to us. We want to pretend like he hasn't told us what he wants us to do with our lives, but he has. He wants us to seek his kingdom. He wants us to make disciples. He wants us to steer clear from sin. And whenever we aren't doing those things, whenever we aren't living out the will that he has explicitly revealed to us, how could we ever expect to hear the will that he hasn't revealed yet? How could we ever expect to know what it is to have clarity on the specific will when we aren't listening to the will that he has already given and so our place to begin and our place to keep coming back to when we are trying to discern God's will is transformation. How am I becoming more like what God wants me to be? One of the places that we get this is by going to God's word. We have got to become students of God's word. We've got to read it for ourselves daily. We have got to have, hear it taught to us by people who maybe know something different than we do. We have to hear it taught regularly. We need to be gathering with groups of fellow believers and discussing God's word and talking about how it applies to our life regularly. We have to have these things in our lives. If, if we want to be people who know what God specifically wants us to do, we have got to be immersed in the will that he has already told us. And I know that we are busy people. I understand that we all have so much going on in our lives. But we make time for the things that are important. We have to make time for the things that are important. And so, we, you know what? If it means that I'm going to wake up 20 minutes earlier, get a little less sleep so that I can spend time in God's word knowing his will, I do it. If it means that our family says yes to one less activity, if we say no to a couple more things so that we can be involved in a small group and study God's word together with our fellow believers, we do it. If it means that I have to say no to that work opportunity that comes up because I know it's going to pull me out of corporate worship on a regular basis, then we say no to it. Because it's only whenever we start doing these daily sacrifices, daily surrendering to God and who it is he wants us to be, that the, when the big decisions come up, we, can, we, we just naturally go the direction that God wants us to go because we're so used to doing it with our lives every single day. So as we start to kind of bring things down this morning, I, I, want to, I want to move into the realm of, of the practical a little bit understanding that it's about transformation, like understanding that this is all about us being who God wants us to be in order to know his will for our life. Knowing that, whenever these big decisions come up, there are things that we can do, some good questions that we can ask that'll help us have a better understanding of where God wants us to go. 
And I've got a few of them here. I'm gonna, we're going to talk through some of these. Uh, the first one's this. Does this decision align with God's word? And is it going to lead me to become more like Christ? So what we ask is, okay, the basics. If I'm looking to take a new job, and that job is a job that's going to cause me to become a very dishonest person, it's not God's will for my life. If if I'm looking to make any decision, and that decision is going to lead me into lying or cheating or stealing or adultery or greed, if it's going to lead me into any of those things, it is not God's will for my life. He has made that explicit. If I'm looking into a career and I want to change jobs and my motivation is purely on money, on gathering wealth for myself, it's probably not God's will for me. If I'm looking to get married to somebody and that person is not a follower of Jesus, God's will tells believers to marry other believers. So it's probably not God's will for me. It's because he wants you to be with someone who is going to encourage you to grow in your faith so that you guys can represent Jesus and not something that's going to pull you away. That's the next question we ask. Is this going to lead me to become more like Christ? If this this decision is something that might not have some blatant sin attached to it, but it's going to pull me further away from the time that I get to spend with Jesus, from the things that he's calling me to be, from getting to go out and make disciples like he's called me to do, if this decision pulls me away from that, it's probably not God's will for my life. If it's going to bring me closer, if it's going to give me more opportunity to follow God, more opportunity to grow, more opportunity to become more of who Jesus wants me to be, well, then there's a good chance that it is God's will for my life. We have to ask ourselves hard questions. We We have to ask questions that step on our toes a little bit. In the book of Hebrews, it tells us not to, not to cease gathering together as a body of believers so that we can encourage one another to know God's word. So when those opportunities arise that are going to take that away from us, where we have things that get in our way where we we can't be in a small group, where we have things that get in our way where we can't be gathered as God's body, it's probably not God's will for your life. We have to say no to some things that a lot of other people are saying yes to. Man, you want to talk about stepping on our toes? How about our kids' activities? When our kids' activities have us so busy that we're missing out on gathering as God's people, When our kids' activities have us so busy that they don't get times of corporate worship, that they don't have times where God can pour into their lives, it's probably not God's will for their life. It's probably not God's will for your family. Guys, we have to look different than the world looks. It means us having to say no to a lot of things that the world is saying yes to. When we are looking to see, is this going to lead me to become more like Christ? Does this align with the word of God? We're gonna have a much better idea of what direction to go when these big decisions come up. All right, another question to ask is this. What does other wise Christian counsel think? Like when it comes to big decisions, when it comes to discerning God's will for us, don't live in a bubble. Like don't operate like a lone wolf. Talk to other believers. God is transforming them. God is leading them to become more like he wants them to be. Talk to those people. Ask them what they think about God's will for your, for your life. And if you don't have those people in your life, if you don't have anybody that you can go to to seek Christian counsel, well, that might tell you something in the first place. What changes do you need to make to get people like this into your life? 
And so, so we ask these people because it's amazing how whenever we go to other believers and ask them about this, they can, they can point out some of the pitfalls in a decision that maybe we don't see. Or honestly, maybe that we see, but we're like sweeping it under the rug a little bit. We're like, no, this will be great. This will be fine. These won't be a problem. And then you take it to a fellow believer and they say, what about this? What about this? How is this going to affect your walk here? And so we take it and we listen to wise Christian counsel, people that God is transforming and working into, and we listen to them. Another question is this. Does it, this decision, does it line up with my gifting, with my wiring, with my opportunities? Now, I want us to take this one with a grain of salt because we all know that, that this is not on par with does it align with God's word. You may very well have an opportunity open up to you, but if it doesn't align with God's word, you just throw this question right on out and you listen to the first one. It needs to align with God's word. But God created us. God designed us. He wired us all a certain way, and he does. He opens doors. He opens opportunities for us, and we need to pay attention to those. And in the same way, sometimes he puts obstacles in our way, and we should probably pay attention to those. If you say, I just know that it's God's will that I marry that girl, even though she already broke up with me twice, it's probably not God's will for your life. If you say, I know that it is God's will that I get this job in this company, but they keep rejecting your application, it's probably not God's will for your life. We need to pay attention to these things. Now, that's not to say that there won't be some obstacles that come up in good things. God uses trials. He uses obstacles to refine us. Marriage is a great example of this. Just because there are obstacles in your marriage does not mean that it is God's will to get out of it. But we can listen to this stuff. It can help us. It can guide us. Where is God opening doors? How am I already gifted? How can I follow what it is that God is leading me to and being mindful of this? Right, last set of questions is this. Is it exactly what I feel like doing? And is it just copying the behavior and the customs of this world? These questions are our control. These questions are to, to test us and to make sure we're not just, you know, running off in the wrong direction. These are to, to help hold us up a little bit. So we know, Scripture tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things. Remember, that the, the way that seems right to a man leads to death. Like, the, we cannot be people who operate on our gut feelings. Like, that's not how we're designed to be. We're designed to be people who operate on the word of God. Because there can be a lot of things that you feel like are okay, but they aren't God's will for you. Feelings are so frequently driven by our motivations. If your motivation is to make more money, then yeah, sure, you're going to feel okay taking a certain job, and it might not be God's will for you. If your motivation is loneliness, then you might feel okay being in a relationship that you're not supposed to be in, but it's not God's will for you. So whenever we feel exactly like doing that thing, we just need to stop. And you say, God, is this what you want for me? Another one, am I just copying the behaviors and customs of this world? Remember, we're supposed to be a transformed people. We're supposed to be a people who is operating completely different. So if my life, if the decisions I make lead me to look exactly like my neighbor who isn't a Christian, 
Like if you could pretty much just like lift church up out of my life and otherwise I look exactly the same, my family looks exactly the same, all of our priorities are the same, we spend all of our money the same way, we need to stop. We need to look. Is this God's will for my life or am I just copying the behaviors and customs of this world, seeking comfort, seeking being well off and not actually going after the things that God has explicitly told us his will is. That we're seeking his kingdom first. That we're making disciples. That we're passing on what we've learned to others. We have to ask these questions to stop and make sure we're really following God's will for our life. But the good news with this one is that the more we are transformed, the closer we get to, to following God, the more we are spending time in his word, the more we are growing to be what he has called us to be, the more that our feelings are going to line up with his heart. I heard a pastor, a friend of mine, say this recently, and I'm pretty sure he was stealing it from somebody else. He said, when your heart is fully surrendered to the Lord, then God will give you, then God's will for your life is whatever you want. Now, be careful here in that. What he's saying is that whenever you are truly surrendered to God, you're going to want what God wants. And what God wants is going to be what you want. We will be transformed to be lined up into exactly what it is that he wants us to be. As when we're letting God transform us, whenever we're becoming focused on what he desires us to be, these questions, they can help us get a clearer picture. They can help us have a better understanding of which way to go. But you know, if you get to a decision and you say, I've asked these questions, I am immersing myself in God's word, and you know what? This, they're equally gonna draw me closer to God. They're equally gonna, gonna help me make more disciples. They're equally going to do those things in my life. God's given us great freedom. God has given us great freedom to live, and sometimes we get to pick. Sometimes God lets us do that, and that's great because we serve a great God, and we know that there are gonna be obstacles in every decision. It doesn't mean that you're outside of God's will just because there will be trials. He's using those in your life. But we also know that we serve a God who has the big picture plan in hand. And whatever it is that we do, we're not going to mess that up. And so we trust him and we seek to follow his word more closely. And we know that we're doing everything that we're doing for his glory and for the growth of God's kingdom. We're going to move into a time of communion now. And this is a time that we take every week where we get the opportunity to line back up. Like, we get to take a piece of bread every week that represents Jesus' body that was nailed to a cross for our sins. And we drink a cup of juice every week to remind us of Jesus' blood that was poured out to cover everything that we had ever done wrong so that we could spend eternity with him. And we get to stop and we get to say, Jesus, thank you that you died for me. How can I live for you? How do I need, what, do I, what needs to happen in my life that I am more transformed into who you want me to be? Because he does. He wants us to know his will. He wants us to be seeking after him. He wants us to be following him. He has given us so much of what it is. We just need to hear it. We need to obey it. We need to follow. Would you bow your heads? 
Father God, Lord, we thank you that you are a God who has revealed so much of your will. You have given us your word. You have told us what it is that we are to do. You have told us what it is that we're to stay away from. And Lord, even when we fall so just incredibly short, you are a God who loved us so much that you sent your son to die on a cross for our sins. You are a God who came for us to redeem us, and that is your plan. And so as we take this time, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for dying for our sins. We praise you for being a good God. And we ask that you would help us to become more like you, to be transformed into who you want us to be. And, and with that, Lord, we will know what your good, pleasing, and perfect will for our lives is. We love you, Jesus. It is in your name that we pray. Amen.